0: I expect to grow, I expect to see things, I expect to do things that are unbelievable. I expect that the Spirit of God, that Spirit of Truth, is going to show me the truth in all things. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love. When his love leads, a remarkable story follows. You're listening to episode 16 Mike's Story Unbelievable Expectations. I just wish that I could, like, pull this out of my chest and plug it into you or plug it into my wife or plug it in. You know, when somebody's having a bad day, I just want to, like, hang on a second. You know, tell the Lord I'll be right back. I'm just going to let them borrow this for a second and plug them in real fast and then pull it back and let them just feel what it's like so that they can get the. That excitement the that i don't know that there's, a, there's a, it doesn't matter what's going on, man he's just always there. I was raised as a military brat, so I went to seventeen schools in twelve years, and I was the oldest of five boys. so when we went to another place, um, I was going to have to get it in. I was going to have to get in there and fight my way to figure out where you fit, and then my brothers had to do the same thing. Well, if you put your hands on my brothers, then you had to put then you had to deal with me, so i wasn 't just it wasn't just me going out there and, and fighting my way in. I had to go back, and I was dealing with everybody else. So I, I just grew up fighting a lot. And we traveled um, all the 17 schools in 12 years a lot. We, were, we would come back to Lindale, Texas. That was like our home base. And then we would move to Utah, or we would move to Hawaii or Albuquerque or wherever we were going, Arkansas. Um, we would come back, and, and we would go to Central Baptist Church. And so absolutely, like in the fourth grade, I remember they, they played a film, about some biker guy got his head cut off or something, and he woke up in hell, and it scared me to death. And then there was like the original 1972 Left Behind series or something that was there. I don't know if you remember that. Um, But it scared me to death. And so um, I remember going and telling my my mother, I was like, we need to go see Brother Galloway because I don't want to get left behind. And so I went down there, and I prayed what they prayed. I said what they said. Um, Does that mean that I was saved? I lived like hell for 45 years after that so does that mean that I was saved I don't know Um, and then I enlisted when I was 17 I was in the army um, decorated military veteran went all over the place Korea Honduras uh, all over I got out and I came down here my father was sick and I came down here and I started building exhibits for trade shows and museums got up to like 130 some employees I think something like that just crazy stuff Um, we were successful you know and it was a and I partied a lot. I got to the point where I was, uh, I was drinking, you know, five double crown on the rocks every day. with six Coors Light chasers for about fifteen years. That was before dinner. Then I would have wine at dinner, or I would have martinis after dinner, whatever. Uh, and I lived like that, and I partied like that, and I, I was partying like a rock star. I mean, we were flying around on airplanes. There were times there were airplanes with stripper poles in them. Uh, you know, I mean, it was. I was out there like that. And I uh, I got into a, I left that business and I started another one and um, we were we cranked up real fast and I was just living bad. I knew I was living bad. I mean during those times, all those years, at one point I went to Promise Keepers at, at Texas Stadium. I don't know if you remember there was like eighty thousand Christian men, people going forward like biblical stuff. I mean it was crazy. Uh, I would go to church from time to time. God was was touching me. He was trying to get my attention and it just it was no good. You know, and there were spirits. I'm telling you, there were spirits in me, um, like Legion. I was much like Legion. Um, when I first started reading my Bible, I, I remember thinking I was I liked the story of Joseph. I liked the story of David, and it was fun to think that I might be like them. You know, a man that was locked up for something he didn't do. And um, and then when I when I really got down to brass tacks, I figured out I was more like Legion than I was anybody in the Bible, <laughs> because I was terrorizing everybody around me. You know, and uh, and hurt cutting myself and. You know, I was doing all this. I was just a horrible person. Um, I love my family. I love my wife. Um, but I was in strip clubs all the time. Um, I was just tore up. It was like I said, I'm sitting there reading my Bible in one hand, and I got my, my knife in the other one. Um, a completely different person. And uh, the bottom line is one of my key guys got locked up, and the wheels just fell off the business. And so I flew around for like a year cleaning all that stuff up. I flew all over the country cleaning up jobs. There was one that I couldn't get to, and... uh this guy leveled a theft charge against me. Um, First offense theft charge. Um, I didn't take it serious. I fought it for about two years, going back and forth to New Orleans and whatnot. And I won't go into a lot of details, but um, there was never a theft. Um, I can say that with a a pure heart that there was not a theft, but there were a lot of things that I did that were illegal that, you know, quite frankly, if you just look at the way that I treated my wife, uh, five years wasn't enough. Um... So they came over here on a first-defense step. They came over here. They arrested me, extradited me, convicted me, and sentenced me to 10 years in Louisiana State Penitentiary. Up to that point, I had five speeding tickets my whole life. So when I say that God got a hold of me by the scruff of my neck and set me down, um, I remember being in New Orleans working on the penthouse of the Ritz-Carlton, and I remember the guy coming in and wanting me to go to Channel 6. And I, I saw the guys were shooting up New Orleans, And a guy's name Stuart Juno. He said, "We need to do something about that." And I said, "Not me." I said, "Let God, you know, kill them all. Let God sort it out." Exactly what I said. year and a half later, I'm looking out the fan at the end of the hallway, and there is the Superdome, the Marriott, and there is the penthouse where I had been, where I said that, and I was locked up with those same guys. I was on a on a violent tier in the old Paris prison. Everybody that was in there was in there for rape, kidnapping, or murder, a combination, all three, for the most part. And um, I was an extremely angry, hateful individual. And um, there was one night that I told God about it. I told him that I didn't, um, I didn't deserve this. My family didn't deserve it. And these guys didn't deserve it. And I was going to end up killing one of them and their blood would be on his hands. And I said it pretty much at the top of my voice. And uh, just like at Pilate's court, Jesus said Nothing. He just stepped in that room. He stepped in that jail cell, and he gave me what I refer to as a holy hug. There were 57 guys on that chair. I watched 27 of them get saved and baptized over the next five years. When he stepped on that chair, um, it changed everything. It changed all of us. Um, and when I say a holy hug, I'm talking about physically wrapped his arms around me, man. Um, pulled my head down against his shoulder I'm telling you that's it was the Lord stepped in there I can't tell you any other better way than that and you know people can they can call me crazy if you want to but I'm just telling you everything changed at that point for me when I knelt down beside that I had an appetite for that book that I still have you know three or four or five hours a day every single day I was in that book um, just eating it up But before that, I mean, I had cussed out a priest on the yard, told him I was going to cut his head off, you know, because he, he, you know, I thought he was being disrespectful. (laughs) That was horrible, (laughs) horrible. And, uh, you know, I I fortunately had an opportunity to apologize to the man after that, having that encounter. I apologized to him and come to recognize that this guy's been going into one of the worst prisons in the world for 20 some odd years and has made a significant difference. I did five on ten, and uh, when I got out, I didn't, I, uh, I was not going to get back in business. You know, I prayed about it, and God's, you know, I, I would say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I need to work. And uh, he would send somebody, I talked to Simon Manny, a billionaire, out in Beverly Hills as a customer and business mentor, and he said, Wow, I really wish you would resurrect the theater business. I said, No, I'm not doing that. He said, So you're a, he's a devout Jew. Uh, he's just as devout as the day is long and he said so uh, you're born again are you and I said you give me five minutes you will be too <laughs> uh, the former mayor of Dallas Tom Leppert was encouraging me to get in business friends were into, and I would, it wouldn't have surprised me man if, if a stranger in a grocery store said you should really start a business you know because I would pray what do you want me to do and then he they would, they would send somebody else to me and say you should start a theater business I was like no I'm not doing that what do you want me to do and he'd send somebody else and uh, this one business card kept popping up, and that's what I was—I was telling you, I, his business card. When I emptied my storage space out to make my office at home, his card fell out, and I put it my—I put it in a box. I got back over there, set my office up, it fell out again. I'm praying, what do you want me to do? And this guy's business card falls out again. I put it in my wallet. Third month, still can't get a job bagging groceries at at Brookshire's. I mean, I can't get nothing. He closed every single door on the planet. This is one right and uh, I called finally I, I said what do you want me to do and he, he put that card in my mind so I pulled it out and I called the guy and I talked to Jeff Morrison and he was uh, it's omni-audio video over in Rockwall and uh, Jeff said man I'm glad I'm, I hate that that happened to you but I'm glad that you're out because I'm building a showroom and I'm putting a couple of theaters in and I didn't know who I was going to use and I was really hoping that, I could, you know, that you would do it and I said Jeff look I'm not really interested the only reason I called you is because your, your card keeps popping up and uh I said, I'll tell you what, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. And he said, You're going to, he said, You think about it? And I said, No, I said, I'll pray about it. So I hang up with Jeff and I start praying. And I said, Look, I need to know this is of you because I keep hearing it over and over and over again. And you know, I'm really slow. I need to know this is of you because I don't want to do this if it's not. And uh, so I need you to just do on the fleece only or don't do on the fleece, right? I need you to, if that guy calls me Monday morning, with a job that is not in his showroom, I'll know it's you, and I'll know you want me to get into this thing. And that Monday morning, Jeff called me, and he had a check for twenty grand for a, a theater over in Irving. And I don't know that I cried that hard when my mom passed, but God answered a prayer very specifically, right? So if you don't think it'll happen, it'll happen. It's gotta, you got to have, you got to ask, you know. And uh, I started doing it, and it was crazy because I went over and I started looking at space after I got the money and. There was these buildings, like these buildings here. And I talked to Sealy, I think was the guy, and he said he didn't have any spaces the size that I was looking for, something small. And then I, I was like, all right, well, and I'm praying. You know, what are you, I don't have any tools, and I don't have a space. And uh, he said, call him back. So I called him back, and I said, for some reason, I just asked him, I said, is there, is there somebody having a problem paying their bills? And he was real quiet, and he said, actually, let me call you right back. So he goes, and he calls this guy, and he calls me back. This guy was about to get locked out. and uh, So I go over there and I meet the guy. We have breakfast and we go over there and look at the space. And He's a hoarder and this building is 5,000 square feet and it's packed. There's only a, bath, a path to the bathroom, I'm like 10 feet deep, just full of stuff. And uh, as we're walking through this place, I see a sliding table saw. I see planers and joiners and dust collectors. Just, some of the stuff's still in boxes, routers and sanders. And I'm like, everything that I lost was res- restored, like, overnight. I'm talking about right now. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get all this stuff. Am gonna, what am I going to do with all this stuff and then and help get this thing set back up? So I paid the guy's rent, and then we, uh, he, the landlord comes, and he says, look, I've got 12,000 square feet around the corner, and I've got two guys and a forklift. And I said, man, I can't afford that. I mean, i only got a little bit of money for, to do this job. And, uh, and he said, I'm giving them to you to use. So we took all that stuff and we loaded it and we moved everything around the corner. We set up shop and then we brought some of those things back in there. We got rid of a bunch of stuff but we built that first theater and then we built the next one and the next one. It's like I said, you know, David was there for a little bit. He wasn't really one of those guys that really wanted to work. He's mildly autistic and he was uh, more interested in going out and dancing at home, old folks' homes, you know. And uh, the other guy that I had was, uh, he had his own job, his day job so I was pretty much working by myself a lot of times. And I, I told you, you know, I was standing out there talking about. It was late one afternoon. I was tired, and I just looked up and I said I could use some help. And uh, not not a minute, I don't think, went by. And these two guys pulled up in a car out front. And the the when the two guys walk up, I'm thinking, you know, God's kind of showing off at that point. And he says, "This is my friend. He's from Canada. He's going back to Mexico. Can he, you know, he's looking for a job. He's going to be here for like you know three months." And I'm, I'm like, okay, what does he do? And he said, he's a carpenter. And I said, really? Now God's really showing off. You know? And I said, I reached out to shake his hand, and I said, my name is Mike. And he said, my name is Jesus. <laughs> so he, said, he sent me Jesus the carpenter. <laughs> right? You can't make this stuff up. You know, have I changed? Probably. I have changed over the years, but the one thing that's really cool, he's not changed at all. He has a good sense of humor. He loves me just like I was. He loves me just like I am. But he's always loved me and still does too much to let me stay the same. Right? And So I expect to grow. I expect to see things. I expect to do things that are unbelievable. I expect that the Spirit of God, that Spirit of Truth, is going to show me the truth in all things. And I'm excited about the next season. Right? Every time he prunes this vine back, I know it says that it's so that you may be more fruitful. right As long as you remain in me, as long as you stay right here, you're going to be fine. And, and it's always been that way. So I don't have a, no, I don't have any stories to tell you. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's, a, it's just an everyday thing. Thank you for listening today. Our mission is to revive the church to the power of a spirit-filled life. There are several ways you can partner with The Unseen Story. One, pray for God's leading as we pursue more of the unseen. Two, subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Three, share this podcast with your friends. Four, contribute financially at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much and have a great day.